if you are someone that is very entrepreneurial and you know yourself well and you more or less, you know, pretty much decided that tech is your thing and you are a maker, you are, you are better off doing things, you know, creating things, you're a bit more creative, not the studious type, then I think diving in straight away into Nitro would be better than you spending four years doing your degree. Good morning, listeners. That's Howie, founder of Forward School, an education technology school in Penang. You might be wondering, what's Nitro? It's a two years applied software engineering degree program intended to grow tech professionals to meet the demands of our ever-growing digital economy. Before building and founding Forward School, Howie started his career in Singapore as a test engineer at Sony Ericsson, UX manager at Creative Labs, head of UX and design at Wiki, which is now Wiki Rakuten, Director of Product Management at Redmart and Co-Founder and Head of Product at the Commission in San Francisco. I'm excited to talk to our guest today as education is a core tenant in building the future of technology. Hence, in this podcast, we deep dive on growing forward thinkers in Malaysia. I'm Kit, ex-startup founder, senior product and now your host on Crazy Product Asia. Today's theme is actually something that I have been very interested to dig in because it's it's really something I believe that not just Malaysia, right, but globally that uh, we are as a tech industry is suffering and it's a lack of tech talent, lack of digital talent that, uh, that doesn't meet the demand of our industry. So uh, really happy to be speaking to you uh, as you are also... Uh, championing and solving this problem for Malaysia and possibly uh, Southeast Asia. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. What do you think is the current problem with the education system in Malaysia? Right. So I'm I'm going to um, give my comments from the tech education perspective. Yeah, for sure. So I'm yeah. So 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 this model or or you know things that can be improved on might not necessarily apply to you know, other schools in a sense. And what I mean by schools is, you know, perhaps it might not be, it might not apply to the medical school, right? Or the law school. So from a tech perspective, I think to a certain extent, as we can see today is very obviously uh, we are lacking of these talents. That's one. And this has been written in, in, in articles, in research papers, in news, and, and all that. So, so, so if, you, if you look at them, what's happening is basically um, the schools are not preparing the students enough or in the right uh, way for the industry. And therefore, you know, the industry is in need of all these uh, talents in a way, and, you know, uh, and, but they are not getting it from the school. And there's a few reasons why. One, if you look at the traditional education system or institutions, the time that they need to update their syllabus, right? right. Uh, it takes a long time. Okay. So, so speed is an issue. But for technology, you know, uh, things change at lightning speed, you know. Yeah. What, what you study this year might not be applicable in two years' time or even one year, uh, one year's time, right? So, yep. so, so this, is, this is an issue. Speed is an issue. Two is what I personally believe uh, it's also an issue of in traditional universities, you need to be, for example, uh, a master. You need to have a master's degree in order to teach a degree uh, student. Yep. Right? So for us, we, we don't want to limit ourselves uh, with that. And we see that that could also be a problem, right? Because traditionally, a lot of universities, their focus is by and large more on academics. But right. what we are seeing and what the industry really needs and you know the future of work as well as uh, in terms of the digital economy, what we need are more towards hands-on skills, right? Whether is it coding or programming or sure. designing. Uh, it's more towards 
um, competency base, right? Not so much on textbooks base. And so there's a lot of catching up to do for 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 the for the traditional education uh, institutions. Indonesian President Joko Widodo says that he wants innovative ministers in his cabinet for his second term to help push forward his reform agenda. The Indonesian leader has pledged to push his country into the top five global economies by the year 2045. Now, he was expected to announce new cabinet, his new cabinet in his lineup today, but that seems to have been delayed to later this week. Several potential candidates, they visited the palace today, and among them were Nadim Makarim. He was former CEO and co-founder of ride-hailing firm Gojek. The 35-year-old has said that he has stepped down from his company after being invited to join the president's cabinet. Local media have linked him to a possible post in perhaps the new digital economy ministry or even in education. Listeners, you just listened to a clip from Channel News Asia. One of the key events last year was the appointment of Nadim Makarim, former CEO of Gojek, as the Education and Culture Minister of Indonesia. This appointment shook the whole Southeast Asia as an entrepreneur going into politics to transform education. I've always wanted to discuss this, so who better to discuss this with? Howie and I digged in. I really want to actually dig in on the appointment of uh, Gojek's CEO. I think uh, he he came in only last year as the Education and Cultural Minister of, uh, of Indonesia. Yeah. Uh, and he actually resigned. Obviously, he had to resign from, from Gojek to assume this position. I obviously want to jump into, into your thoughts. If I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure you read about, about this. I... I think it's a very interesting uh, move, right? Uh, and we can see that for Malaysia. I, I mean, they appointed the CEO of CIMB, right? Yeah. To yeah. become the finance minister. Obviously, there are a lot of comments on that front as well. But if you look at it, it's, it's a similar uh, approach. Basically, appointing technocrats uh, to uh, political positions in a sense, right? Uh, with the assumptions as well as the belief that they will do a better job than any politician out there. I, I must say that uh, it is true if you look from the execution standpoint, right? But at the same time, you know, being, I mean, I'm not involved in politics, but having... Would you want to be involved in politics? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, um, so, so I, I guess it's it's. Uh, I would say that, for example, like Nadim, he's definitely better than any politicians out there, right? To be thinking about what the future Indonesians, the future generation of Indonesians, should focus on in yep. terms of education. Sure, but whether he can execute it in that in that environment, yeah. I'm not sure, right? Mm. So, so we, we will see. I think it's, a, it's an interesting move. It's a bold move. Uh, it's a bet. And I, I mean, personally, I sincerely hope that he will succeed. Yes, because uh, his experience in tech itself, right? And the startup, the startup world itself has pretty much been, obviously, um, I, and I think he, he was also named as uh, Asian... Asian of the Year, uh, right. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Asian of the Year in 2016 by the Straight Times. Right. Given that uh, Gojek's contribution to improving the lives of many uh, uh, Indonesians. And with his appointment, he will be obviously bringing the wealth of tech experience and uh, establishing a more entrepreneurial trade in uh, the education of Indonesia. And and to be to be honest, looking at our... Malaysian uh, education. I, I'm not going to talk about the, uh, the education minister or whatnot, but, uh, but looking at uh, education, uh, the Malaysian education state itself, it, it's quite backwards, to be frank. And it's really bold of Indonesia to really take this stand, to, to bring someone in and to really say like, hey, we, we might have a problem in our education system for the next you know, five to 10 years for our Indonesians. Like how can right. I solve that? 
And I think that, and I think that the answer is really driving towards the digital economy and the digital business. Right, right. Uh, what makes you think that the 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 traits of what Nadim has it's a really suitable, uh, suitable environment for the bureaucracy of the government? Right, I, I. Because <laughs> this is this is actually I think the most tricky one. Yeah, you have someone. I, I... Yeah. Because I have, I mean, I have no visibility of what's his agreement with uh, Jokowi. So maybe he was promised, you know, a clean slate, right? That he can do whatever he wants and he have the backing of the president of Indonesia, right? If that's the case, then that's very different, right? Mm. If if he have some level of um, agreement and understanding that he can just go ahead and execute, right? But if I understand correctly, it won't be that easy because, um, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, it's, yep. for example, like in China, the federal government, uh, the Politburo might, might do certain decisions, but in the end of the day, it's still by and large uh, dependent on the cities that they are in because the yep. cities are so big. They will. They have quite a bit of say on how they run things, right? Mm. So the state government, so, yeah, correct. So, so, so in the sense that the 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 province or the cities, you know, in China, they they are able to kind of make their own ruling one, you know, like yep. you can suggest, but I can choose not to follow, right? So, so I I think likewise for him, he will have to navigate this. Uh, I'm not sure I might be wrong, but uh, it's uh, it's 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 going to be tough. La. It's a tough job. But at the same time, if he's someone that, you know, uh, is just focused on getting the work done, um, then potentially he can get it done uh, by hook or by crook. La. Indonesia itself, uh, given that, you know, I if we look back, like, uh, 20 years maybe 20 years is a bit too far but from where Indonesia has come to this date in terms of the digital uh, economy side they have they have pretty much I would say they have pretty much leapfrog a lot of today's uh, tech advancement right. like going into yes I think there's still a lot of problems in, in Indonesia by and large but uh, in terms of the the digital side of things and the product side of things, they have pretty much nailed a lot of things. And is it because that they have more funding, more access? Uh, uh, Indonesia has more access to capital. Uh, the market is larger, so more people are going there. Like, why why has Indonesia now become like such a hotbed for like startups? Like, I I still remember, uh, when mm. I was doing my startup. Mm. Uh, uh, back in 2015 and I, I still remember me approaching one investor the investor was telling me straight up like why are you building for Malaysia why not jump in into Indonesia straight away Malaysia only has about 30 mil and you're starting your business in KL and KL has about give or take 1.5 mil people so versus if you go into into a big city like Jakarta, where it's probably a times ten or times uh fifteen uh, right. uh population, like why 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 even focus in Malaysia? Right. Yeah, I I I I agree fully with uh with with, with that, uh in the sense that um obviously for any investors, right, and a lot of these investors, and if you look at it, the only country, the country that you know, has the most uh, unicorns, you know, besides yeah. China, right? Uh, and I mean, in Southeast Asia, right? Indonesia is top, right? In terms yeah. of number of unicorns. And this is supported by, obviously, like what I mentioned, the sheer uh, market size that they have, right? Uh, and a lot of startups are being advised that, hey, if you're really going to be a unicorn there's no other place other than indonesia you just got to be there right um and it is true and i would i would say that it's 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 why startups are attracted to indonesia for example is number one is obviously the market size yep number two when the country is so big 
uh, obviously they will have more talents now, right? Definitely. So uh, you'll definitely be able to uh, find more talents. Let's say as compared to just KL, right? Or even Malaysia, the geographical size alone already already with more people means more talent, right? So I think with these two points, uh, it makes it very viable for countries to be there. And of course, I think increasingly the young people in Indonesia and increasingly so for Vietnam as well, the young people I observe and I sense that mm-hmm. are definitely much, much more hungrier than uh, you can find elsewhere. Yep. Uh, and I'm saying this is because uh, I do have some experience, for example, like in Vietnam, they have this kind of tuition classes uh, for example, to learn Photoshop. And I can okay. tell you that... Oh, that's interesting. These, yeah, and these students, they will pay by the hour to learn and pick up these skills, mm-hmm. right? And they pay in US dollars, right? Oh, okay. And they are just so hungry to learn, you know, something new, right? And and because of that, because of that hunger, obviously, you know, for startups, um, it makes sense for them to set up that. And, 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 and in the sense that, you know, because people are eager to learn your... You, because in the end of the day, it's not so much about... Uh, talent is one thing, but it's a lot about uh, nurturing a talent versus nature. Like, you're not, you're not born... A lot... Of, I mean, majority of software engineers, they, they pick this up, right? Because... Yep. Uh, they're very hungry to learn. And I would say that not everyone is coachable, right? Like for me, uh, you know, in my experience of mentoring startups and all that, I, I, I can tell you straight off that not all founders are coachable. And when <laughs> you're not and when you're not coachable, then there's no point, right? Yes. Because maybe you 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 only listen to yourself, right? Yep. So, so there's no point to having a mentoring relationship, for example. So I would say that, you know, there's this thing, they seem to be much, much more hungrier. Yeah. Tech talents are really hard to find. Great tech talents are even harder. This is the problem Howie is looking to solve. How can we incubate, grow awesome tech talent in Southeast Asia? Before jumping to the solution, however, let me take you back when I was doing my startup. I needed to hire a couple of junior engineers, so my co-founder and I decided to attend a local university hackathon to observe technical talent there. And we got a surprise of our life. Listen on for the story. We wanted to hire a, a really junior software engineer, could still be in studying in uni or who's doing freelance, etc. Right. So we actually uh, visited a university, I, I do not want to name which university it is, but it was during a hackathon that we, we just, me and my co-founder, we just went for a hackathon and it was a 24 hours hackathon. And to our surprise that uh, all these students that were participating in this hackathon are all computer science students. Right. And I knew more about coding than this computer science student who right. has been there for for obviously for a while. So so it's a really shocking thing where uh, the hackathon has about, I think, if I'm not mistaken, has about 120 students. But out of that 120 students, so you're divided into a team of 10. So that's about 12 teams. Right. There's only about two to three teams that could really code hmm. and that could really uh, build and ship uh, stuff. So that is actually about maybe 30, 30, uh, 30 students or less right. uh, out of 120 students. So that itself is actually really, really worrying. Yeah, so shocking, right? Uh, but It's really shocking. It's really shocking. The, but that's the norm, you see. And, and if you look at the stats, uh, it, it's, it's making things worse. I mean, that, that is one thing, right? They are not being trained. And, and I there's no fault uh, on the university, right? Because... Yep. It's it's they are focused very much on pure science, right? Even the computer science that they are learning, it's it's a bit pure, right? It's not so much on applied science, which industry nowadays uh, appreciate, lah. 
But if you look at that, you know, um, training is one thing. But what makes it worse is that increasingly, I think people are less interested in picking up uh, IT or, you know, I mean, that's how they sell it, IT. But right. what I'm trying to say is that less and less people are, are picking up software engineering or computer science, right? So you already have a very small pool to start with. And out from that small pool, uh, if you are not training them well enough for the industry, then what you'll get is very, very, very small. Um, so that that's why, you know, at Forward School, uh, we are very uh, passionate in solving this uh, problem. Uh, it's, a, it's a talent development issue. And at the same time, uh, it's a chicken and egg thing in the sense that if the industry are not getting the right kind of talent, uh, it doesn't justify them to pay uh, high as well, in a sense. And when they are not able to pay a decent salary as compared to, you know, uh, Silicon Valley or some other more yep. uh, well-developed uh, ecosystem like uh, Singapore, Singapore, then what's, yeah. the, what's going to happen is that uh, less and less people will be interested in these subjects as well. So, yeah. Even uh, even Indonesia right now, the, the tech scene has been booming. The tech and startup scene has been booming so much. And I, th- uh, and I think they are way ahead of uh, the curve, uh, even for us. Yes. Right. Yes. I think one of the things uh, that that because I do have some experience um, working with some developers from Bandung. So if mm-hmm. you know Bandung has a has a very uh, quite a well known uh, polytechnic. It's a tech polytechnic that's churning yep. out uh, good talents in terms of software engineering. So, I mean, a lot of shops are setting up there uh, and you'll find that surprisingly, there are many more uh, dev uh, shops or development companies in Bandung compared to, let's say, in Penang. So that's, that's a little worrying. I see. That's, that's a very interesting thing. Because um, uh, the last time that I spoke to my previous guest who's calling that, I did mention that I think Bandung is the HQ for some of... Uh, quite a lot of big uh, tech companies in Silicon Valley. Yeah. Maybe granted because of the tech, ta- uh, tech talent that they have there. Yeah. Maybe you have heard of companies like General Assembly, Make School, Coursera, Udacity, and a local company, Next Academy. And probably maybe even taken classes with them online or in class. All of these companies have something in common. They're trying to push tech education forward, closing the gap to address technical demands for our digital economy. Howie is doing just that with Forward School, but with a little twist. We now listen to why he started Forward School. So, I I spent majority of my career in Singapore. I, I left Penang after Form 5. So, so, I was in Singapore for the last 20 years uh, or so before yep. coming back to Penang uh, four years ago. And, you know, when I first came back, I was uh, actually helping uh, the state government and I'm actually, sit- I'm still sitting in the uh, advisory council. Um, mm-hmm. So for, for, for my first three years in Penang, I was helping the state government to, oh, that's um, nice. yeah, to, to run uh, ACAT Penang. So ACAT Penang is basically uh, a state initiative uh, to help tech startups to grow as well as uh, we do have incubation programs, uh, we do have mm-hmm. uh, I4 Seed Fund, uh, which is uh, 4 million in size, uh, where we okay. uh, help uh, startups in Penang. So in the last three years that I was doing that, uh, one thing that I you know learned is that everyone has an idea, right? Uh, you have an idea that you would like to execute. I have an idea that I would like to execute. And there's no... Uh, lacking of ideas. But what I've observed is that there's always a lacking of talents who can really build them, right? Right. Um, and because I'm dealing a lot with tech startups, so a very big part of it uh, is not so much about the idea. The idea is one thing, right? But the sure. ability to, um, you know, create these platforms, right? To code, 
to design. Um, and I will always have founders coming to me, uh, asking me for uh, CTOs, right? Hey, do you have anyone who can build us this? Do you have a CTO to <laughs> recommend? You know, everyone seems like they are looking for developers, right? And yep. and, and the sad thing is that I, I don't have many people that can I can really recommend. And those that I recommend are more often than not, they are very good and they just don't have time, right? Sure. Uh, they, are, they, are, they are full. So they are, they are, their schedule is, you know, full for the next six months. So, so one thing became very obvious to me and that's we have a lot of consumers of technology, but we have very little creators, meaning people who can really execute and build and code and design, right? And think. In There's too many thinkers, uh, less uh, builders, yes. if you will. Yes. So, so that got me, uh, so long story short, that uh, got me started um, uh, forward school uh, with the very intention uh, to uh, build and develop uh, creators of technology versus just mere uh, consumers. So that's the, that's the genesis of it. And of course, I've covered earlier, you know, uh, there's, there's two yeah. jobs to be done here. One is we want to be the platform for anyone who is keen to build a career in technology. And we are here to help you. That's one. Two is, <clears throat> two is to also help the companies who is in need of these talents. So we want to be uh, the platform to help you to build your talent pipeline um, in an intentional and effective way. So that's that's the two jobs to be done here. I see. Um, and to to solve this, the concept that you have, right, it's slightly different because I I have uh, looked at uh, you know uh, companies like General Assembly, right. many more different companies. Yours is a bit different, right? I think your model is more like make school right model where it's like a campus kind of living when students come together to live together to to talk about all these career developments and programs together you harness a more cohesive environment to grow these talents it, i think that is generally what make school is trying to be is that where you are looking forward school to be because there are a lot of programs I would say like, you know, uh, we have in KL here, we have Next Academy. Right. And then we have many, many more. Uh, Magic is doing their own thing. Right. So, but you're taking it into a different direction right. altogether, right? Yes, yes. So let, let me explain a bit on that. So that touches on the point of, you know, how can we be the best place for anyone Correct. who wants to build uh, their career in tech, right? And and what, I, what we really mean by that is that to help you build a fulfilling career, Right? and to prepare you to the best of our ability so that you can find the best tech jobs out there. So that's, that's our goal. And we recognize that for us to do that, um, um, there's a few things that we need to put in place. Right? One is, you know, and a lot of people, they might not be aware of this. One of the things you go to school and you know, people talk about the Ivy League schools and you know, the yep. Harvards and all that. And have you ever wondered you know, why what's so uh, prestigious about these schools, right? Academic is one, right? But sure. if you look at it, uh, the best thing that can, let's say, that can come out from you going to Harvard or, you know, those top schools um, is actually the network that you gained uh, yep. while you're studying there, right? It's your, it's your peers, right? who potentially is going to be some of the brightest people, right? Um, is the who and who's, right? In the community, in a sense. So to us, we recognize that that community and that network is very important. And what we are trying to say here is that for you to be good at something, especially skills-based and hands-on, the right community, the like-minded community is extremely important. So for us to do that, we have a campus uh, in the heart of Georgetown. It's a row of nine shop houses. We have uh, 17 
studio apartments, right? Uh, they are for wow. students as well as for startups, uh, as well as for digital nomads. Uh, we do, to a certain extent, curate who we accept uh, to be part of the co-living space. But how we envision it is that we want to build a community whereby you will have companies staying there, right? Startups uh, working on their projects, their ideas, or their tech startups or their tech platforms. And you have students living at the same place. And then you have digital nomads and you have practitioners um, all in one place. And we, we want to be able to build that synergy, right? That the students will be able to get an internship job, a very hands-on internship job uh, at the same place. They'll be able to hear, uh, you know, on a weekly basis from practitioners on how to go about uh, doing certain things. So that's, that's what we are trying to do here. Uh, and we foresee that that will be very helpful as uh, you build your career in technology. And second is that obviously we have a good relationship with the industry and uh, that's something that, you know, a lot of uh, schools do not. And when I say schools, I'm I, I meaning places that potentially like General Assembly or Next Academy. Yeah. Um, they are very good at three to four months kind of boot camps. But mm. for us, you know, because what we really are trying to solve here is to help companies build their talent pipeline. And for us to do that effectively, uh, it's very hard for you to be doing it through a three or four months program, right? Um, I would say that the three and four months program are very helpful for those potentially have that have already a background, right, in tech. Uh, and they want yeah, to upskill, right? They want to upskill. Uh, because the, 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 the truth is that it's very difficult to give someone uh, a very good foundation in three months, right? So, which is why for us is that we have a two-year program, which we developed together with the industry. And if you look around, uh, not many people dare to uh, do this, lah. I mean, first, it's hard. To it's do. incredibly difficult. It's, it's <laughs> difficult to do. I mean, no one, you know, dares to take the risk. La. But we really feel that, you know, two years is, is, I mean, we might go for one year, but I would say that, you know, anything less than one year is not going to cut it. It's not going to really yeah. give you uh, that kind of foundation. And I mean, you can go for three or four months, yes, but I can almost guarantee that it's going to be very difficult for you to get the top uh, uh, engineering jobs uh, from the top tech companies. You know, we ask uh, kids that are 16 to 18 years old to make $100,000 debt decisions when they go off to university. And they're not prepared for that. They don't know what they're getting themselves into. They just assume, okay, I'm going to pay four years of education at 25000 a pop, and when I come out the other side, somehow I'll be able to pay it back. Right. That's not how life works anymore. There's no need even to have a college degree oh, okay. at all, uh, or even high school. The, the, um, I mean, if somebody graduated from a great university, that may be an, indi that may be an indication that they will be capable of great things, but it's not necessarily the case. The people who are doing the work that we care about are figuring out what to do next, not following the person who told them what to do next. And the problem with most colleges is they are high school, but with more binge drinking. The entire purpose of a good university is to give you a foundation to fail, not a foundation to get an A. Mm -hmm. And if you graduate from college with straight A's, you have to do some serious soul searching as to why you chose to spend your time doing that. The A students work for the B students, the C students run the businesses, and the D students dedicate the buildings. I'm sure somewhere in your life you ask yourself this question, is my college diploma, degree, or MBA useful? because I definitely have. The usefulness of higher education today is a controversial one, given there are many alternatives to date. And I reckon practical skills today are more important than ever. We discuss this now. My response, I mean, I mean obviously people will think that I'm biased, you know, but <laughs> because I, you know, I, I, I'm building a school. Um, yeah, yeah. Would, you know, but, 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 it, Okay, 
I think my I'll give a unbiased um response uh, sure. to the best of my ability. If I were to be able to rewind uh time, right? And that uh and that forward school is available to me, you know, like maybe 20 years ago. I wish forward school was available to right, me. Right, right, yes. <laughs> so so that's the question that we always ask uh I always ask myself, right? And yep. we and I started forward school is really, you know, to in response that I wish something like that, you know, exists, right? Uh, but I must say that it's not for everyone, right? Uh, but if you are someone that is very entrepreneurial and you know yourself well, and you more or less, you know, pretty much decided that tech is your thing, and you are a maker. You, you, are, you are better off doing things, you know, creating things. You're a bit more creative, not the studious type. Then I think diving in straight away into Nitro would be better than you spending four years doing your degree. Again, you need to be very clear what you want, right? So, so if you're very blurred, don't know what you want, then... Then I think a lot of students, they go for foundation studies, like A-levels and all that, right? Uh, but I did not, I when when I first landed in Singapore, I even though I can go and do A-levels in a junior college, I made the intentional decision uh, to go to a polytechnic. Why, right? Because at that point in time, when I look across the different universities and A-levels and all that, the Singapore Polytechnic is the only one that provides a more hands-on skills approach, yep. right? Less, less uh, academic, right? A lot of doing. So I did my diploma in multimedia technology and design where I did a lot of electronic stuff, PCB board, you know, so I, I enjoyed my, my, my time there. And at the same time, I did that diploma is also because uh, in my mind, I was ready to come in and work after diploma because I was seeking for, for yeah. employment, right? Um, and getting a diploma in a sense, although in Singapore, you do the diploma in three years, three years, mm-hmm. it's a three years diploma, but at least it gives me an opportunity to come out and work if I want to after my diploma. Right, um, but if I want to continue to go for a degree, I can still do that, right? So in a sense, uh, that's the best opportunity. Uh, that's the best option that I see. Now with forward school, if you are very clear, like myself, you know, you are into tech, you want to build stuff, um, you know, you are not the studious type, you know, you like technologies, you like. Uh, creative yep. tech in a sense you like design on the screen then yeah I would I would encourage you to go for something like natural degree anytime because what you'll be getting out of it mm-hmm. uh, will, will, will will be whatever that you're going to get out from your four years uh, computer science degree in a traditional education institution I'm, I'm saying this because we have a student uh, that is currently yep. at uh, Park College that uh, it's going to drop out his star college and <laughs> join us. So, so, so again, you know, I'm not, uh, I have nothing against uh, a degree. I'm, I'm nothing against accreditation. In fact, for forward school, for our two years nitro degree, uh, we are going for a JKM, the Jabatan, sorry, the JPK, the Jabatan Pembangunan mm-hmm. Kemahiran. And we are working with MDEC to have our two years nitro degree accredited to be a level four diploma. So I'm all for accreditation because I, I believe that people yep. still need that, right? Uh, whether is it for psych- psychology or sick or what. But so, so we do recognize that. Um, but yeah, if you are clear, then I would say that go, go for a nitro degree, something like a nitro degree that's focusing Actually, I'm, uh, on skills. Yeah, sorry. Versus go ahead. Yeah. Versus, you know, something that is vague or, or to, to me, um, it's a, 
it's a lot of waste of time lah. And whatever that you study in that four years when you come out, right? It's probably <laughs> obsolete. Really. Well, that's that's not a very uh, nice thing to hear, actually. I'm pretty aware of that. Uh, given uh, I did my whole four years degree, the value that I think uh, that I've gotten out of it to my current career now, it's actually very, I would say very, very little. It's quite disheartening because uh, it's not uh, cheap. If if it was maybe uh, slightly cheaper, I would say that it's not it's not as bad. Right. But but it's not cheap. It's it's uh it's not cheap to uh to have an education. And and nowadays education itself is a business. Right. The idea yes. that if education is a business, you uh, obviously this varies, but maybe not every single school or university would be putting uh too much emphasis on the content, the studies itself, versus the business performance right. of right. the university. Uh, for me personally, I I really got a lot of learnings within my uh three years of building my startup. That was really the. I think really the base uh, point of really shifting towards my current career. And I think that be- uh, the reason for that is because things were practical. It was just, it was yeah. just, you need to hit the ground running. Like you don't know how to do something. You just uh, Google or you pick up a book and then mm-hmm. read and then do it. And then you learn along the way, you you right, make mistakes, right. uh, you you talk to customers and and when you make mistakes with customers, you right. learn and then you improve. I still remember taking a marketing class. Like really, really, I, I still remember <laughs> taking a marketing class back in uni. And the marketing class, they will give you a 300 pages book about marketing. <laughs> yeah, or slides. Yeah, or slides like, I still remember book. this thick book. 300 bucks i think it was under it was under uh nielsen's or something uh, i can't remember the publisher but 300 right. intro to marketing and it taught it's me a, nothing a... about marketing <laughs> it taught me nothing about marketing that could actually help with the digital economy yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's nothing and 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 it's quite crazy right right no, they, they teach you theory, but it's always about applying it, right? The, 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 which is why I, I, I'm an advocate of, you know, if you can go out and gain working experience as early as possible, you should do it, right? And which is why for forward school, we focus a lot of our assessments on yep. projects, right? Capstones projects. Basically, you build stuff and, and you, you have to... From the get-go, you have to do that already, right? You have to straight away learn how to use GitHub, learn how to, uh, what is repository. And you'll be very surprised, like, in school, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they don't yep. teach you that, right? And a lot of them, yep. they don't even that's know what's GitHub, right? <laughs> so, so, so that's quite crazy, right? Um, and, 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 and again, like what I've covered earlier, the reason is very simple. The reason is that at this point in time, the universities are incentivized. The funds that they receive is based on the research, how many research papers that they have published. It's yeah. very academic based, right? And that's more or less uh, their KPI, right? So that there's no incentive for them to really update the syllabus or there's not much incentive for them to really be aligned with the industry, right? So, and, and plus the fact that, you know, the instructors and the lecturers have by and large been, been very much um, um, uh, cut off yeah. from the industry, right? I mean, they, they, they still are involved in the industry, but mainly via internships or, you know, once in a while there will be a yep. project. Um, and that's, that's about it, right? A lot of the lecturers, they are not practitioners. They might not really understand what's the latest. They might have the knowledge, but I can tell you uh, most likely, um, more often than not, they don't have that. Definitely. And and I think uh, to, to your point, right, this, given that if you're saying that the syllabus are not updated, that actually can be extremely dangerous, right? Uh, imagine that you get into uni and by the time you leave uni, you did a four years uh, diploma or degree, uh, you're 22 and you get out 
and whatever that you study has no uh, inclination to anything that you're doing in the in the digital world anymore. How how do students right. cope with that? Yeah, yeah. We, which is why for companies, I mean, from our conversations with uh, many corporates and companies, yep. on average, they will have to spend eight months, uh, if they are lucky, to one and a half years before they can kind of really see a fresh grad uh, really contributing to the company in a wow. meaningful way, right? So what, what that tells us is that after you spend money studying for four years, you come out, you know, your company still need to spend more yeah. money to train you, right? So, so it, 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 to, to a lot of, to a lot of these companies, it might not necessarily make sense, but you know, again, this is the norm. This is what everyone is doing. So for us at Forward School, we really feel very strongly that uh, there can be a new model of engagement between those that is interested to build their career in technology and those that is keen to hire these talents, right? And we can make it much more efficient. We can save a lot of time. Uh, we can create a better fit talent. Right, than a lot of these traditional uh, definitely and uh, given that we are both uh, Asians and I, I'm pretty sure we grew up around the Asian culture on focusing very heavily on your grades which is uh, if you right. score a really good uh, test you get A's, B's and C's and, and um, so these A's, B's and C's right are really the metric that govern uh, all students uh, like uh, you get a very good A or B for your test, but uh, like as you said, it's very ad, uh, academic driven. Is is that is is this right. still really uh, the way to actually track a student performance? Because um, I think given our conversations that we have, um, might not be the best, right? Mm. Yeah, might not might not be the best. Again, I mean, we are talking about the tech sector and the digital economy, right? And the yep. talents that we need. Uh, for, for that particular economy. Uh, if I, I would say that, you know, for the digital economy, when it comes to digital marketing and all that, yes, the AB, we can have some element of that, but that's just to test your theory, right? Whether you understand the subject or not. And it's more of like a quiz rather than a way to assess whether you can really do something or not. So for us is that if the, the, the traditional scoring is no longer quite relevant to us as well as to the industry in a sense, because from my experience is that, and, and this is my practice, right? I sometimes, you know, this guy, if he scores very well, that doesn't mean that he will be a good uh, talent and yep. worker, right? Um, so, so, so I would say that your score matters uh, less in the digital economy. Um, but so what we are looking at is basically we have uh, we go by this competency based uh, grading in the form of projects and in the form of rubrics, right? So rather than putting you into A B C D we have uh, our method of assessment is basically whether are you mastering this area or are you learning still, right? And where, where you are. So rather than ABC, we have all these uh, markers uh, to indicate where you are in terms of your learning. As we're nearing the end of this podcast, let's take it easy and learn how Howie got into product management and his favorite product so far. It's a funny story. Uh, I mean, not funny. La. I, I think <laughs> it's, it, it's helpful for me to share this, right? I got myself into product management because um, I was trying to find areas where I potentially can have an advantage uh, in. Uh, what I mean by that is that, so I started, uh, all along I'm quite into design, right? Uh, digital. So I, I do a lot of Photoshop during my 
younger days in a sense. Yep. You know, I like to build digital stuff as well, you know. Um, and that time is just the 56K modem, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I would build websites and stuff like that. And and from a very early on, uh, I, I wanted to uh, go into multimedia, go into web and things like that. So I managed to get there in a sense. And I started my career uh, as a, uh, let me see, a test engineer because I was uh, trained as an engineer. So a test engineer for Sony Ericsson, that's actually my first job. Um, so I was testing all these devices and I was helping to write test scripts, right? Right. So, so, so you just load this script in the phone and basically this phone will just run through all these test steps, right? To make sure that the phone works well. Um, and, and, and then I moved on to Giseke and Darren is a German company. And then I was doing SIM card programming. So if you, if you realize at the point in time, there's no smartphones, there's no colorful GUIs, there's no apps, right? And, and I had the opportunity to program uh, SIM cards. If you remember, during the very early days, you can use your phone to check, you know, like your total number, 4D number, True SMS, is it? Yes, your right, horoscope. Yeah. No, through, through the SIM card menu. These are very Oh, popular. right, 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 right. And, um, and it's still very popular in Philippines and all that, developing countries. Um, so I started to get very much involved in how do you design a menu or UI in a very tiny screen, right? Mm-hmm. How do you... How do you do information uh, architecture, right? In a very small screen, black and white, and uh, uses mostly text. So that got me interested in uh, user interface, uh, GUI, uh, and as someone that really likes design naturally, um, you know, I'm I'm captivated by UX. And during roughly during that point, um, there's a uh, the smartphones are coming in ready. I think iPod is there. Yep. And then slowly iPhone. And I get more and more interested in UI UX. So I switched my career to UX actually. Uh, I don't have a formal background in design. But again, that's another testament that you don't need the paper qualification uh, to, to do anything in a sense. Yep. Because all along when I was an engineer in a sense, I was building, designing websites and all that. So, um, so I, I, I switched to, uh, to be a UI designer at Creative Technologies. So Creative Labs or Creative Technologies in a sense are the makers of sound cards. Uh, it's a Singapore-based company listed in NASDAQ, uh, very successful. And then they were the ones that, you know, invented the MP3 the MP3 player, player yeah. Right? Yep. And the way of how do you browse uh, hundreds of songs in a GUI. (laughs) So so I joined them and I was involved in a number of their products, uh, involved in designing uh, the software for your sound card. You know, during the early days, there'll be a software where you can fine tune your sound card. Yep. Um, So I designed quite a bit of that. Design also for... Uh, personal digital entertainment devices. And then uh, in creative, I was also exposed in designing platforms, uh, websites, and all that. And the turning point was uh, I was sent by my company, Creative Labs, to China for a period of time uh, to learn from some of their UI UX designers. I still remember it's in Beijing. And when I arrived and I interacted with the team and I saw the quality of their work, my jaw literally dropped, right? Um, Why, were they so ahead or ahead yeah, of the Yes, I mean, not so much on UX. Right. So, like what I say, I, I started from uh, applications engineer to UI designer, right? Mm-hmm. So, as a UI designer, when I was in China, my jaw dropped. You know, I asked myself this very fundamental question. Can I be as good as them? 
If the answer is no, then why am I still in this field, right? Right. So, uh, if, if they, they are that good, right? So then that makes me switch to UX, mm-hmm. user experience, because I thought that, hey, they are very good in execution. They are so good in drawing. They are so good in, you know, the icons and all that kind of stuff. Um, what is something that I can be better in that perhaps uh, I will have an advantage in? That's where I switch to UX, right? UX is much more about research, uh, much, much more about um, uh, uh, interviewings, you know, conducting quality interviews and stuff like that. Yep. So for a number of years, I was doing UX and then I applied the same thinking when I switched to product management. And it was a natural transition because I am trained as an engineer. Background, I started my career as an application engineer. I am passionate and I practice UI, UX design for a number of years. And that very naturally put me in a position of advantage as a product manager, right? Because a lot of times as a product manager, you need to work very closely with the engineers. You need to work very closely with uh, the designers. The designers, yeah. And I was able to uh, command their respect fairly easily. And, and, and that, gives me, that gives me tremendous advantage over uh, building product teams, uh, being able to paint you know, the, the complexities to the stakeholders. Uh, I, I, I do a lot to protect uh, my team. And when I, when I mean my team is basically, um, obviously, first is the users. Second is basically my team who is building it. So I tend to involve them as early as possible. I tend to not say uh, yes to all of the stakeholders, yep. to all of their requests. I push back a lot. And I recognize that in order for you to be able to push back uh, you need to be able to paint the complexities very well. So if you don't have, uh, and I'm not saying that if you don't have a tech background or you don't have a design background, you can't be an effective PM. What mm. I'm saying is that I think if you have those background, it will give you a very good advantage uh, in painting the complexities to your stakeholders because you know exactly how it is done. You know exactly the time that it will take. Uh, and you know whether, you know, your engineers and the designers are, are tricking you. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's always a, that's always a, a added advantage when you yourself did the work uh, already. Yes, Therefore, yes. you know uh, what to expect. Yes. So now, given that you... Uh, I mean, uh, from a product manager to a product manager, what is your uh, favorite product that you're currently using? Do you have one? Nothing in particular, actually. I, I yeah, on top of my head. Something at least that you enjoy using. It doesn't have to be something digital, though. Right. Right. I I think I enjoy I enjoy using. Um, you know, I mean, I especially during the MCO, right? I spend a lot of time uh, with my family watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. So I think it's something that works very, very well. Uh, it's an alternative channel. In fact, it's the only channel that I watch right now. Uh, and, you know, the, wow. <laughs> the creativity that puts into producing their own... Um, movies and shows i think that's uh, very uh, creative in a sense uh, so yeah I, I i i like netflix uh and you know so of course spotify these are apps that i use on a daily basis right and i find them to just and i find myself to really like products that you know just uh focus on one thing and they do it very well. Right. And mm. it, it just works. And I find that I like products that, you know, are just focus on one thing or just a few things. Yeah. Right. And especially given that a lot of products nowadays are looking towards this kind of super app concept to have multiple use cases in one. Right. 
Right, right. Uh, it's yeah, it's it, it really goes that, to that's interesting. Yes, that that is yeah, that by itself is very interesting to cater to multiple uh use case, but right. it. But at the same time, there is a lot of things that are products that only do one thing and they do it really, really well, better than the rest can obviously be a very successful business on its own. So, yes. Yeah. Meaning. Yes. It's it's like the, it's like the software that you're currently using, you know, to record our conversation. Yeah. Yeah. It it works. uh, It's, it's not very complicated, but. You know, in that one thing that they do, they do it extremely well. Exactly, and um, and I think a lot of um, uh, companies have uh kind of miss miss that ethos of uh doing one thing doing really well because, mm. to be fair, many companies uh I would say that it's also the experiment of a uh, different business models that 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 brings out different products as well. That's why a lot of uh people are uh. Uh, as you can see that uh, the super app kind of concept is more sexy because uh, you have more right. more use cases to engage more people. Yes, yes. And, and it's a model that has yet to really proven itself. Oh, right? yeah. As, I... as a profitable model, right? <laughs> uh, it's, it's a lot of these super apps, I think at this point in time, their focus is growth by all means. So obviously, they are subsidizing that growth, um, whether or not, you know, if it can continue growing without that kind of subsidy or promotions or marketing dollars being thrown to it, yep. I'm not sure if it would really work. That's, I uh, I feel like it's a, it's a zero-sum game. Right. I, I feel like it's a zero-sum game where uh, there can only be one winner. The only the only guys who can really do a super app, right? It's like if you look in China, you uh obviously because China itself the market is so big, and you have like the two biggest players, which is um, which is um Tencent and right. Alibaba, and yeah. and Alibaba has Alipay, which in in regards it's a super finance app on its own, and then you right. also have WeChat. Uh, which also uh, have the same capabilities as Alipay and right. to do all the same thing. But it, it's only these two companies. And if any other apps who are going in into that, they're just going to be killed off. Yeah. Because almost yeah, almost instantly. There's just no way. <laughs> that, like, like you're just like, you're just going in for a suicide. Yeah. Or you go in, Maybe you can pray and hope that maybe they will acquire you, la, but yeah, <laughs> the, the, the chances is very slim. Oh, the so. chances is extremely slim, man. I mean, if you can really take 1%, maybe not even 1%, la, maybe 0.5% of market share from them, I'm pretty right. sure they will definitely acquire you. But for you to do that kind of uh, damage, uh, you need to have something crazy, uh, something new for them yeah, to acquire. Something. But in Southeast yeah. Asia, it's a bit uh, tough Given that Southeast Asia, the market is so fragmented. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, yeah, it's, this thing is a bit challenging, uh, I would say. Yeah. And, um, and I, I can see that uh, even myself in uh, Touch and Go uh, Digital, right? And you look at Grab, you look at Boost, they are doing all kinds of multiple different things. But yeah. I, I do echo the same notion as you where, um, companies or products that do one thing and do it really well, I really miss lah. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think uh, in our current day and age now, a lot of people will be, I'm pretty sure there will be, but not many uh, startups or unicorn level companies will be doing only one thing. Yes, yes. Because it's so much easier to be adding features than removing them, right? Oh, yeah. Again, again I tell you, it takes tremendous uh, will and you know, discipline to, to 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 cut features, right? I think that was what Steve Jobs uh, and Apple was really good at, right? Removing right. things, not adding right. things. Correct. And it's extremely hard for people to do that, right? Because maybe because they feel that it's my baby or maybe because they feel that more, more means better, right? Mm. And they feel that more perhaps means... I'm bringing more value to people, but more often than not, it, it is it is not. Yeah. I think that uh that alone itself can be a discussion on its own, 
<laughs> that uh, yeah, because that that itself is a very big and interesting topic on its own. Yes, yes, yes. So I would like to thank you for joining me on the no second problem. episode of uh, Crazy Product Asia. Uh, yeah. This is our second episode, and and how I just want to let uh, our listeners know if they are interested in about forward school, they could be they could be working professionals or they could also be students. How can they learn more about uh, forward school? Yeah, uh, they can follow us on our Facebook. I mean, uh, we are very active on our Facebook, so it will be fb.com uh, slash uh, forward sch. Right. So, or you can just search forward school in Facebook to be able to follow us. We are also on Instagram, so you can search us on Instagram. But uh, I guess the best way for you to be finding what we are offering in terms of our programs and courses, uh, that will be our website, and that's forwardschool.co. Uh, and of course, yeah, just uh, feel free to reach out to me as well. Um, so my email is howie at forwardschool.co so you can definitely reach me on email as well okay thank you for that and thank you so much for talking to me on uh, this Sunday it's my pleasure it was an amazing discussion on technology startups and education and I hope you found it useful to close special thanks to Howie thanks for sharing your weekend evenings with me recording this podcast man I really appreciate it if you are an early graduate thinking about jumping into tech or a professional wanting to change career into software engineering, check out Forward School. If you have any product questions, tweet them at ProductAsia and I'll have them answered in the next episode. If you like what you have been listening to, do subscribe to us on Spotify or Apple Music and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks for listening, stay safe and have a great day.